Welcome to the Bad Girls on Business, the podcast that makes business more fun so you want to do more of it. Here are your hostesses with the mostesses, Jenny Bellinger, Virginia Mooskins, and Michelle Nedelec. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bad Girls on Business podcast, where we are going to bring you a whole lot of business savvy with just a little bit of sass. I'm the referral diva, Virginia Mooskies, one of your hosts. And I'm Jenny Bellinger, your direct sales dom. I'm going to help you whip that business into shape. I'm Michelle Nedelec, your mistress in business, helping you get it up and keep it up. And we are here today with Sam Silverstein. He is an accountability and leadership keynote speaker with a mission to empower people to live accountable lives, transform the way they do business, and to thrive at extraordinary levels. By challenging leaders to shift priorities, cultivate an organizational culture, and inspire both individuals and teams to take ownership in fresh and results-producing ways, Sam is helping companies dramatically increase productivity, profitability, and growth. Global Gurus has named Sam Silverteen as one of the world's top organizational cultural professionals. He is the creator of Pivot, the preeminent course designed to help individuals discover their purpose, mission, and non-negotiable core values. Sam Silverstein, welcome to the podcast. I've never received an introduction quite like that with that tone, inflection, and sincere depth. I am moved, Virginia. The sincere sex appeal of it all, Sam. The sex appeal of it all. Jenny, I'm going to leave this one this one to you since Sam is on your bucket list. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And isn't it fun when you get introduced to someone and you're like, I didn't even know I wanted to meet you. And now I really, really want to meet you. Right. Well, you know, I, I never knew I was on someone's bucket list before. So I'm I'm like, this just made my day right here. We can stop right now. And I'm awesome. I'm that- more than satisfied. <laughs> I love it. So, Sam, tell us, you know, how did you get into where you are now? Because a lot of people are going, okay, all that bio sounds amazing, but why should I listen to this guy? Like what, what's your experience with the leadership piece and and how you get people to actually pivot, which is like, I think I'm pretty certain that was the year, the the word of 2020, right? How, how, how'd you get to this space where you are now? I've, uh, I've written 11 books. I've had my own business sold to a fortune 500 company. And I've worked with leaders in organizations and government agencies literally around the world, helping them understand what it takes to build an amazing culture, one that inspires accountability uh, in the culture as an organization, and one that helps their people grow to be the best. And the one thing that we need to put right out on the table is when I use the word pivot, I'm not talking about changing what we do. I'm talking about changing how you think, because that's the only way that we make the, the moves that we need to make to get ahead and to grow and achieve what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And the, the mindset piece is such an important piece. So how, how are you helping people get into their head so that they can get out of their way? Asking questions. So here's the deal. I, I, I realized, you know, I've been studying accountability, accountability in organizations, accountability in leaders for a long time. And it just, what something really clicked this past year, actually, as I was on my way to a speech, and it was these three questions that came to me. And the three questions are, what do you believe? What do you focus on? And what do you commit to? 
And what I found is that when I have that conversation with somebody, it blows their mind. And then what happens is they realize that the results that they're getting, uh, the, the less than desirable results that they're getting are directly related back to a belief that's not producing for them. And so the leader that says, we got to change what we're doing around here, will never get it right. They have to change what they believe. And then, and then, and only then, do you make that permanent lasting change in what you do? So with doing that, this is the fun piece. Okay, got to figure out the wording on this one, right? So, you know, the leader, right? Wants to believe that they already know everything. Yes? Right. Yeah? Right, absolutely, yes. So with that belief that I already know everything, let's say that I'm the leader you're working with, right? How do you then you know, is it just those three questions? Does that work with the leader themselves? Or are, is, are those three questions what you need to ask the team? Or are you doing that with all of them? Okay, so if we're dealing with an organization, it all starts at the top. It starts at the top. If the leader's not on board with where that culture is going to go, if the leader's not on board with building an organization that prioritizes and inspires accountability, then the chances of really uh, hitting the bullseye throughout the organization are pretty slim. So the leader has to buy in. And there are some leaders, they get it um, and, and they're doing well, but they're the ones that always wanna get better. And so, as you know, you guys you work with leaders, you work with organizations, entrepreneurs. Those, those are the, the dream clients because they're open, they're receptive. They wanna hear what you have to say. They, they try to evaluate, not whether or not it's right, but how do I put this into action? And so the leaders that, that resist, that fight, some of those you can reach, but some of those you can't. And so I don't try to reach everybody. If, if they're not open to it, you know what? I'll send them to somebody else because they're not going to be a great client. Um, it, this all comes down to being people first. It's like, I see this all the time where the CEO says, we have to have amazing uh a customer service culture. We need a culture of customer service. Well, the reality is your customers can never have a better experience with your people, with the organization, than your people are having inside the organization. So if you can't master that, it has to be people first, customer obsessed. And it's only when you get to that mindset that you can produce the result you want. So yeah, some leaders buy in and some don't. And if they don't buy in, you can only try so hard, but the leader that says, you know, you have to earn my trust, the leader that says this isn't personal, it's business. Those guys and gals don't get it. They don't get it. Agreed, because people do business with people. Uh, you know, something I've been saying for a long time, you know, because I, I work in the drug sales network marketing industry, right? There are 30,000 representatives for the company that you work for. Why should they do business with you? Because they like you, because they know you, they're not doing, they're not buying your product. They're buying you. You just happen to provide the product with that purchase, right? It's it's all about you. I think a hundred percent got to agree with that. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I mean, it's like, yeah. And so I I wouldn't hesitate to ask a leader. And I've gotten to the point where it's just, I I don't want to say I don't care because I care, but they either come along and get on board or go elsewhere because I don't have the time to flop around and fail. All right, you know, my goal is to help people, and if you're if you, 
if you're going to fight me, don't hire me. But look, it, w- name one conversation you can have in, an, in a company that's not personal. Name one. And you can't. That's just it. Because we could be talking about manufacturing widgets. But if Michelle and I are talking and I say something and then Michelle just, if she calls me an idiot, well, then am I going to take that in a business manner or am I taking that personal? It's personal. And so, yeah, absolutely. Everything is personal. And the leader that doesn't grasp that doesn't have the the intellectual um, sophistication to to move to the level they need to move to to get their organization to the level they want it to be at. I think I know the answer that you're going to give based on what you've been given so far, but how do you deal with uh, business owners that hire you and go, my team needs to be accountable for this and we're going to nail them to the wall and get stuff done, which of course creates terror in the organization going, I don't really want to be accountable anymore. Thank you. Well, yeah. So here's the deal. First of all, when a leader says, I need you to come in and tell my people to be accountable, I know there is an accountability problem and I know exactly where it's at. It's that leadership. Um, the reality is what I've discovered is where accountability is keeping your commitments to people. But I'm not talking about tactical commitments. I'm talking about relational commitments. And most leaders have not delineated the difference between a tactical commitment and a relational commitment. A tactical commitment is spoken. A relational commitment, for the most part, isn't or doesn't need to be. A tactical commitment connects to things. Relational commitments connect to people. And so a tactical commitment would be, I'll be here at four o'clock. A tactical commitment, I'll get the proposal done by noon tomorrow. Those, Those are all tactics. We're doing stuff. We're responsible for things, but we're accountable to people. If you're trying to hold people accountable, that means you as a leader are trying to manipulate people to do more for you. If you walk, you know, if I walk into your office and I say, I'm going to hold you accountable, you have to be accountable. That'll work for about 60 minutes. But after that, you're going to say, bug off, you know. So the leader is supposed to inspire their people to want to be accountable because the leader is accountable to them first. And you're accountable by making and keeping these relational commitments, like a commitment to the values, a commitment to stand by you when all hell breaks loose, a commitment to it's all of us. If you fail, I fail. If you succeed, I succeed. How many leaders have we seen that are that are like, well, you know, if I succeed, you succeed, and they got it all backwards. And so um, you do not hold, this holding people accountable is like putting a gun to their head. Who wants that? And so there does have to be a re-education. And some of them buy in and a lot of them don't. And so if they don't buy in and they don't come around, move on. You know, one of the things that I, that I think is so key about what you're saying, Sam, and um, in the organizations that I coach, I hear this all the time. Well, nobody is keeping X commitment. Nobody is keeping Y commitment. Everybody is failing to blank. That's a pile of crap, isn't it? Well, my, you know what my number one retort to that is? Tell me. And you are part of nobody. You're also part of everybody and you are somebody. So my question to you is if I were going to evaluate your performance by the same standard that you are holding others accountable, then what would I find? What would I find? And rarely do I find someone, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm performing, I'm performing. And 
then I'm like, okay, to what end and to, and, and how, and if you're performing at such a high level, how come no one's performing with you? Well, exactly. And so the person says, well, you know, so-and-so isn't doing this, or, you know, my boss isn't living the values. Why should I live the values? And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, we're back in fifth grade. You know, middle school management, grow up, grow up. Look, there's two major problems that I see in business today. Today, I think it boils down to two things. One, we don't fire people fast enough. If you're not doing your job, if someone's not doing their job, now this is assuming that you've trained them, you've given them the resources, um, you're not getting in their way. They have the not just the responsibility, but the authority, all that good stuff. And they're not doing their job, fire them. Why do you let them stay? I'm at some petrochemical company in Houston with 24 leaders out of this organization. And we were having a conversation and they all bust out laughing at something. I said, what's so funny? Oh, so-and-so never gets his stuff done. I said, so what do you do? Well, we go into his inbox. We take it. We do it ourselves. I said, great. Do you take his paycheck too? And they're like, no. Well, why are you paying him? Why would you keep him around? Why do you reward that kind of behavior? So basically what you're telling me is, here in this organization, we don't have to do our work. That's insane. The other problem in business, we don't fire companies fast enough. Look, if the culture sucks, find a, a company where it doesn't. If the leadership sucks in an organization, find a company where it doesn't. And then turn around and, you know, plot your exit. I'm not, I don't want anybody leaving their children hungry at home. I'm not saying get up and quit and don't have income. But there's a lot of great companies. There's a lot of great leaders out there. If people would move to those organizations, then the other ones would get the message. You know what? I can't act like this and keep my organization together. Now, I'm sorry if I'm not. I'm sorry if I'm not bringing enough emotion to this today. I will try and get my energy up for you. I know you are flat and boring today. You need to get it up, Sam. You need to get it up. We we really are expecting more performance out of you. Back to what I was going to say. Um, one of the things that I find that's really important, because I do have your book and I have had the chance to do my first run through, is this idea of you can't fire somebody fast enough if you don't know what you believe, what you commit to, and what you're focused on. Nor can you evaluate the match or mismatch between yourself individually as an employee or as a member of any organization unless you know what you believe in, what you commit to, and what you focus on. And the biggest thing that I encounter in my organization is that people think they believe something, they think they're committed to a thing, and they think they're focused on a thing. And the, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. And I believe that like 360 degree leadership is everything for me, right? It, you are a leader, whether you are, you just walked in on day one and you are the corporate shoe shiner or you are the CEO, you lead from somewhere. You're responsible for believing the beliefs and committing to the commitments and focusing on what you're supposed to be focused on. And people have such a hard time with that. Why is that so hard? And look, I'm part of everybody, okay? Like, I'm somebody part of everybody as well. So I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. Um, this is just as much for me as anybody who's listening. So here's some things that I've observed. Just because you say it doesn't make it true, all right? So just because someone says it doesn't make it true, A. B, just because it's on a website doesn't mean it's real either. Just because you say these are my values doesn't mean that they are your values. Um, I, I hold it. 
6.30 Central time on Wednesdays on Clubhouse. I've been having a uh, a room focused on, with some with some peers focused on the C-suite culture conversation. We've been talking about this. Um, and the thing, the question of the day was, so what happens when the culture doesn't match the website? You know, leaders that, that first of all, half the time it's the marketing department that comes up with the values because it's a marketing project. Well, that's nonsense. What do you really believe? You have to know what you believe as an organization. And if you put values out there and you allow people to stay that aren't living the values, then those aren't your values. And so then what happens is you're saying these are our values, but they're not your values. So what does that make you? Makes you a liar. Who wants to go to work for a liar? So yeah, there's a big problem. If you go to work for an organization and they say, this is what we value, then it better show up. And if you're a leader and you don't care whether it shows up, well, then there's a whole list of problems. There's a whole list of problems. Um, now, here's the thing. And all three of you know this. This is not rocket science. This is not that difficult. But you have to be willing to say, this is what I believe. Now, here's what I've discovered. First of all, when, you, when I ask somebody, what do they believe? They freak out because they think, well, you know, I'm talking religion or something here. Um, but you need to know, what do you believe about everything? What do you believe about people? What do you believe about the capability of those of, of others around you? What do you believe about potential? What do you believe about opportunity um, in, in the region that or the area that you operate your business? Now, here's the thing. Beliefs, core beliefs are based on something. You better know what your beliefs are based on. We, you need to know what your source is. Now, your source for your personal core beliefs may be some traditional writing like the Quran, the Bible, the Torah. It could be the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It could be the Joy of Sex. It could be Aunt Agnes or Uncle Jim. I don't care what it is, but you better know what it is because you need to be able to go back to it and, and refer to it and live it consistently. The problem is people say one thing on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they say a totally different thing or act a total different way in the boardroom on Monday. So you need to know what your source is. You need to know what it is that you believe. Your beliefs are inward facing. I don't need to know what you believe. But those inward-facing beliefs turn into outward-facing values. Now, this is what people in any organization connect through. They connect through the values. They don't connect through the products. They don't connect through the services. They don't connect through the customers. They don't connect through the building. They connect through values. So if you haven't identified an amazing set of values, and if you aren't living those values to what I call the level of non-negotiable, they're not your values. You're not building the relationships. Without a relationship, you're not going to have accountability. And so the whole thing is going to come back to those values. I can't think of how much money a company would save knowing that so that they're not hiring the wrong people, for starters, and so that the right, the right people aren't kind of showing up at crappy companies. But I can't help but think of a couple of companies that I got fired from once upon a time many years ago when I was an overachiever. And uh, <laughs> think if if they actually posted what their real values were on the wall, nobody would work for them. <laughs> right. So if you want to build a company that 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 attracts the best and retains the best, this is what you do. So I'm talking to an organization in uh, South Dakota, 
and they their unemployment at the time was virtually zero. I mean, before the pandemic hit, you know, unemployment was so small. No, there was really no one looking for a job. And, and I'm having this conversation with them and they go, we can't fire someone for not living the values. We can't find, we can't find enough good people to replace them. So, so now it's just, it doesn't matter. The values don't matter. So now then there's this company, a, 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 a home builder that I, have been blessed to get to know out of uh, Lubbock, Texas, and they operate in Lubbock, Amarillo, Midland, Odessa. They have a waiting list for over a year to buy a home from them. Now think about this, a waiting list. And they build homes in the affordable price range. Um, they're in the like, I think they're in the 120, 140,000 to maybe 260, 280. And they build an incredible home. But the president told me they could sell their homes for $40,000 more per home than they sell them for. And that's a lot of money in that price range. And I'm like, so why don't you sell them for $40,000 more? And he says, well, when someone moves into one of our houses, we want them to have equity right away. We believe that's important. Now, play this out. When they have a job opening, when they have a job opening in, in, in an area where they have zero, unemplo- zero unemployment, they get between 40 and 100 applicants for those jobs. And so I asked him, I said, what would you tell the guy in South Dakota who says he can't find enough good people? And without batting an eye, he says, maybe you haven't built a company that's good enough to attract those people. You're getting us all totally excited around here. We're all losing our minds going, yes! Why don't people get this? <laughs> I'm getting tingly all over. I love it when everybody's excited. I mean, that's that's the first step. It is. So I am totally loving it. And I, want, I do want to talk to you about this because I'm in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And we have in the past, I can't say it's going to happen anymore. Let's go up to sunshine and do a little skiing. Absolutely. Snow's perfect. <laughs> And it's warming up right now, so you can ski up. You know, plus temperatures. Yeah. It's it's double digits now. <laughs> no, it's single. Single digits. Ugh. Anyway, um, being able to, we have a ton of uh, economic curves. So we historically will have booms and busts almost on a five-year basis. So if it's going well, you know that five years from now it's going to bomb. and But five years after that, it's going to be awesome again. And I can't tell you how many people have that same kind of thought process of, oh, there's nobody's hiring. So we got to go on a hiring freeze. Nobody's leaving. And they base their decisions on the marketplace and it drives me nuts. But I think it's more than just um, whether or not the market's up and down and whether you can, there's people to hire and stuff. Talk to me about how that mindset affects their consistent incomes regardless of the marketplace. So clarify that. You're saying they're not hiring because... So they'll go into a hiring freeze and just not hire people when there's nobody available. And then when the market goes down and there's a ton of unemployment, they'll dump their people in an unemployment in order to get other people. Oh, so you just you just totally trash your... You just trashed your your culture. Yeah, you ditch your you ditch your shitty workforce and hire the better workforce when you think you can attract the better workforce because there's more people looking. Right, but why would they come to work? Who wants to go to work for an organization like that? That's just 
That's just totally backwards. And so where's the brains in that organization? Who's calling the shots there? It makes no sense whatsoever. What does make sense? Because if they're listening, I want them to know. I'm rattling their chain going, it doesn't make sense to do that. What makes sense? What makes sense is- I'm in service to the business owners of Calgary. Company, here's the deal. What's, what's the, you need to know what the purpose of the organization is. Just like, you know, we started on this. We need to know our unique purpose, our unique purpose. Then we need our mission. Our mission is our purpose in action. Purpose is inward facing. Mission is outward facing. Um, And you need to create a set of values because the purpose is the why, the mission is the what, and the values are the how. And so a company that is, that is, that thinks that their purpose is money is the bottom line is just totally screwed up because money is never your purpose. Now you need to make money to survive, to stay alive, but that's not your purpose. It's kind of like, you know, we need to breathe to stay alive, but breathing is not my purpose, but it's something I have to do. Making money is something you have to do, but the leader that's not focused on the purpose and the mission And through that, and now the purpose is always stated in the service of others. It's not in, it's not things. It's about service. The leader that's focused on the bottom line instead of the people, they may make money because it's not that difficult to make money, but they're not, they're not going to be the best they could be. The leader that focuses on the people, make sure that the people are successful, make sure that they know the dreams, the aspirations, the purpose, the unique purpose that their people identify with and help them achieve that. Then what happens is all those people want the leader to succeed. And so what do they do? They focus on the bottom line. So you have a choice. If you're a leader, either you focus on the bottom line or your entire team focuses on the bottom line. I would rather have an army of men and women focused on the bottom line and let me focus on them. But if you don't have the emotional intelligence to graduate to that way of thinking, you are always going to struggle because you're going to think you have to do it. You're going to think it's all about the bottom line. And the reality is your business is all about people, no matter which way you look at it. Keep it about people. Let them take care of the bottom line. You know, one of the most, I, I was looking through some um, some of the vision statements and the affirmations that I wrote in 2020. And Jenny, you may just appreciate this. Um, I had made the decision that I would move from entrepreneur to enterprise leader um, and stop to stop doing things by myself. And I was going to learn. I was going to learn the people thing. I was going to learn to listen. I was going to learn to ask good questions. Um, it's been a complete and total shit show. It's been really hard. I'm getting there. Hallelujah. Amen. My team is really happy. But the other thing that I said that I thought was really interesting that might be relevant to this conversation is my team deserves great colleagues. I will not fuck that up. You know, you could put that on the wall. I mean, look, I've walked into organizations when I wrote Non-Negotiable, and I don't know, Virginia, if you had that book or not, but it's about a bank out of Amarillo, Texas called Happy State Bank. True, true story, real bank, didn't make that up. When you're, They were founded in Happy, Texas, the town without a frown. You can go to the Google their website. When your name is Happy, Texas, you get to say that kind of crazy stuff. Um, but bottom line, walk in. This place does amazing. In the last 30 years, the value of their stock has never gone down. I walk in. 
I interview a hundred people and what do I hear? I'd rather die than let the CEO down. I work harder here than any job I've ever had, but I love it. When you start hearing that kind of, and, and you walk in and you look around and it's like the most peaceful place. Well, that's because Virginia, back to where you were, they don't hire people that aren't going to get along. They hire people that are going to get along because they hire them to the values. And if they're not living the values, they allow them to go elsewhere. We, yeah, we started truly, um, it was real, it was interesting when we, when we bought our BNI business, um, we kind of sort of inherited a team. And one of the biggest challenges we had was that the team we inherited was raised on a, they were just raised on a different sort of juice. And um, the, the best thing that happened the other day, uh, somebody on the team calls me up and says, Hey, I think I have a really great person to join the team. And I think everyone is going to really love working with him. That was the, the comment was every, I think everybody on the team is going to really, really love working with him. Now, I don't know if you have an opinion, but I think we really like the person. I was like, listen, if you think they're going to be a great colleague and they can, they know the role, they can do what they're asked to do. They can protect the team and they can make other people look good. As long as they can do it, it, I don't have to, I don't have to like them. But my guess is that my, if the team is happy, I'm happy and everybody's doing what, so I'm going to like them. What's not to love. Well, and, and that should be defined as part of the values too. Values must, must, a great set of values is not just a great set of words. A great set of values has values in its totality that connect to four areas. Um, you have to have foundational values, which talk about the character of the organization, professional values, which talks about what excellence is here relational values, which talk about both external relationships and internal relationships and community values, which talk about how you connect to and serve the community that you live and operate in. And so it's those relational values that say how we're going to get along here. You get to define, you get to say, we're going to have great relationships. You get to say, we're going to, we're not going to argue that we're going to respect each other. Of course, it's your responsibility to make sure you're stepping it out. You know, the, the situation in Happy State Bank, which has an amazing set of values, um, one of their values is, is you're going to laugh at work. One of their values literally is laugh at work. You, they do not allow you to have a negative attitude. If they, they have every, every employee gets one day a year, they call it a crappy day. You get to call in and not come in. You say, you call in, I'm taking my crappy day. I'm in a bad mood. I am not going to bring that into the bank. Um, and they will let you go if you have a negative attitude. They won't let you stay. Um, I'm, I'm speaking to a group of 300 bank presidents, Independent Bankers Association of Texas, which is where this bank is. They have 53 locations or 56 locations, 5.3 billion in assets. This isn't just a little minuscule five-person thing that you say, oh, it's easy to control the culture. And I asked the people in the room, how many of you work with someone who has a negative attitude? 300 people in the room, 299 hands went up. I'm, the only hand that didn't go up was the president of Happy State Bank all the way in the back of the room. And I called him on it. And I said, how come you didn't raise your hand? And he says, we don't allow people with a negative attitude to stay in the bank. It's that simple. Leaders have the ability to control that, but they have to exert their common sense, hire to the values, fire from the values, make the values real, don't make them a lie on the website. 
Jenny, I'm going to make sure that the team never listens to this podcast because all y'all are going to fire me. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> but OK, <laughs> I just been had I just been had. So. All right. Um, let's you got a question, Michelle. I do, because one of the things that you are a proponent of and you teach is to inspire as a leader. And what about people who feel like, well, I'm a good technician at what I do. And if you, you know, if you need help, come ask me a question. But, you know, I'm not a really inspiring kind of person. Like a lot of introverts will say that usually. Extroverts will pretend they are. How do you get somebody to actually inspire somebody? As a leader? Yeah. You don't, you don't have to go into the room and go rah, rah. That's not, that's not what's going to inspire me. Um, be transparent. Be authentic. Tell the truth. Be there when my life is crashing down around me, when I have problems at home, be there for me, support me. Um, let me know that I'm not alone on this journey. You, you've inspired the heck out of me because I know that you're there for me. I'm going to be there for you. And so you don't have to be this, you don't have to have this gregarious, outgoing, rah-rah attitude. That's, if you do, that's fine. But if you don't, that's fine too. That's not what it's about. It's about making and keeping these 10 relational commitments and showing people that you put them first, that it's people over money. Amen. Hallelujah. Ah, I don't know how you ladies are feeling, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Are you ready for a cigarette yet? I'm getting, I don't smoke, but if I did, if I did. All right. So, um, Real quick, I found our I found our our questions. So these are this is our rapid fire questions. So ready, Sam. I'm ready. Marketing, marketing. Yeah. Seduce them or dominate. Seduce. Networking, exhibitionist or voyeur. Voyeur. Leadership, gentleman dom or power sub. Gentleman dom. Delegation. Married or mistress? Married. <laughs> and the last one, entrepreneurship, monogamy or polyamory? Polyamory. All right. I love it. I don't know if we have time to unpack that or if we even should, but we know what we all meant. <laughs> and now we have your bad girls on business, business profile, which is good stuff. All right. We're going to do takeaways in the last word. Uh, Michelle, takeaways from today's conversation. I love, love, love the conversation. And to me, the accountability is, it's not that pressure crooked that a lot of people refer to it. It's the being able to go inside and just go like, Hey, what do I really want to create in this? And, and, and take it out. I love it. Jenny Ballinger. Yeah, I'd have to say I love the way that you explain how, uh, the connection between certain things, how, you know, this is, beliefs are like your internal, your values are your external. That's what shows up outside because there's so many people who go belief and values, same thing, right? And it's like, no, 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 not the same thing. But, you know, that's such an easy, simple way to explain the difference between the two. So I, I love that because I love anything that's going to make it easy to, to, differentiate. So great job. Thank you. For me, I love people first, customer obsessed. Uh, I love that. It's going on my wall, Sam Silverstein. It is going on my wall. Uh, Sam, what's your last word? 
Accountability is about keeping your commitments to people. Those commitments are relational commitments. When we're always looking to give to the relationship, build the relationship, and looking to help people discover their potential as the leader, then what's going to happen is they will want to be accountable and you will move mountains. All right, ladies, I think we're wrapping up another. I know it's so sad that it has to end. I'm ready. Let's go again. It's so sad. Let's go again. We can. Just we can look forward to the next time, you know. She wants more of you, Sam. Jenny wants more of you. Yeah, you can we go again? All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't kick him out of my business on a full night. <laughs> hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to the Bad Girls on Business Podcast. Hey, head over to the Bad Girls on Business Podcast website, badgirlsonbusiness.com and get our free goodies unlock that treasure chest and find our easter egg when you get a chance sam do you have presents for us we'll we'll hide an easter egg on our website for you oh absolutely i've got a free accountability quiz um and uh, that's available at how do we get it am i accountable.com takes about two minutes and through that experience you'll discover what those 10 relational commitments are see how you're doing and um, if if you're coming up short in one or two areas you'll know what to work on amen and we all want you to work it (laughs) all right so bad girls on business we're saying goodbye and make sure that you head over to our website and don't forget to subscribe rate and review until next time Thank you for listening to the Bad Girls on Business podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes for any links mentioned in this episode and for additional contact information about the guest or our hostesses. If this show got you going, we'd love to hear about it when you subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get enough of the direct sales dom, the referral diva, or your mistress in business? 